particle would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the traditional owners of the land we record on, the Wadjuk people. We also acknowledge the role of Aboriginal people as the first scientists in Australia. Welcome to the Particle Podcast, where we talk about science and the people who just love it. I'm your host, Rose Kerr, and today we have a bonus episode for you, finding out what it's like to be a student who saves lives. Unfortunately, I'm not talking about a superhero in training. I'm talking about student doctors, which are equally impressive. Late last year, I caught up with Jodie Lee Tangerang, who's doing a rural clinical school placement in Bunbury, about two hours south of Perth. Jodie and I chatted about stethoscopes, parental figures, and staying motivated. Welcome to the podcast, Jodie. Thanks for having me. Starting off, I'd love to know, what do you actually do? So I'm a third year medical student, which means that I'm working and studying towards becoming a doctor. That's so cool. Mm. Were you one of those little kids that ran around with a stethoscope being like, I want to be a doctor one day? Kinda. (laughs) I grew up in a very health field family. So um, a lot of my family are kind of nurses and doctors. So I have had a stethoscope since I was a kid, but I didn't really um, decide until year 10. So... What was it that made you decide, do you think? Um, Well, growing up in Kalgoorlie, you know, there's a lot of challenges in the rural area. I was always with my mum and her wild rounds on the weekends. And, you know, you can kind of see the challenges that you, you know, that I can compare with when I was in the Philippines. So um, I think that might have been one thing that inspired me. But I always really enjoyed, you know, chemistry and, and human bio and... I, you know, excelled in those without trying kind of thing, as opposed to physics and maths, where I always, (laughs) always had to try. I'm surprised the challenges didn't scare you. I know a lot of people actually tell me that, but um, I think I I thought about this quite a lot. I reflected on it quite a lot. Um, And I thought I was just going to take it as a challenge, really. And um, I guess... If I could help out, you know, one family, that um, that would be a good impact on me. And to be honest, kind of science is all I know, and I love it, and I use it as a hobby. So, um, yeah, it made sense. Yeah, it made sense. And so, your mum's a doctor. Yeah, my mum's a doctor. She's a GP. And that would yeah. be absolutely. Yeah, I can imagine that being an inspiration as well. Oh yeah, she. I mean. In the, in the rural areas, definitely a bit more difficult. She comes home quite late and, you know, leaves for work quite early and we didn't really get a lot of time with her growing up. But that's, I guess, one of the things that I wanted to change in mm. rural areas, even though just like little tiny things that, you know, I can't really make a big difference, I would imagine. But, you know, if I could just add on another rural doctor in the future... I think that could make a lot of difference. So yeah, and she's really inspiring. I always see some of her patients walking around when I was in Kalgoorlie, thanking me oh. for her work, which I think, I don't know, that doesn't have a lot of merit, but it's kind of inspiring that she gets those kind of patients and I see them. Around. 100%. Yeah. Was doing a regional placement, a rural clinical school placement, a no-brainer? Was that just absolutely what you were going to do? Oh yeah, definitely. I started um, medicine wanting to be a rural doctor and I st- and I'm, I'm in three years in now and I still wanted to do that so I wanted to you know see what it's like 
as a going back to a rural place as a health professional and see how you know if it's actually feasible for me before I make that big commitment. It's a good testing ground. Oh yeah, definitely. It is interesting as someone who doesn't study medicine mm. and something I heard friends who do study medicine, that distinction between like a rural doctor and a city doctor, why do you think people tend to classify the two separately? I guess because we always get taught about the challenges of, of being in a rural place and there is a lot of differences between them. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't imagine it's that hard for a rural doctor to come into a metro as, and, you know, vice versa. But we really have to be aware of the other um, impacts, social impacts that we have on in rural country. Mm, what are some of the challenges that you've seen maybe this year that you're um, like, oh, that wouldn't have happened in the city necessarily? Um, I guess the availability of the certain tests that you can mm. only do in, you know, metro. Like, for example, you might not be able to do an MRI in a lot more rural country places, so you have to go to the city. The amount of specialists that you have in the country could be a lot less. So if you needed something that's for kids and for specifically for the heart, you might have to go to the, to the city for that. Mm. So those kind of things. And a lot of people, not so much in Bunbury, because it's, you know, it's a bit closer to Perth, but I've heard from a lot of colleagues that a lot of people want to stay in the city, in the, sorry, in the country that they live in. And it's a big challenge for them to travel to Perth mm. um, to, you know, disrupt their daily routines and things like that. Having to plan to get to Perth and having to find a place to stay there and things like yeah. that. I never considered that before. If you're mm. needing treatment, maybe it's not necessarily for like a nice thing, you know, and so that would be quite hard. Yeah. Is there yeah. a lot of that kind of emotional support as well through being a rural doctor? Yeah, so again, I, I don't really feel it as much here in Bunbury because you do see a lot of doctors and there is a big medical community here. But when I was in Kalgoorlie or when mum was talking to me about her experiences there, um, it can be quite isolating. So um, there are times that GPs have their own practice, a solo practice, what they call, mm. and um, they couldn't rely on other people for second opinion yeah. or, or things like that. So that could be quite isolating. And GP work in itself, you kind of do your work with a patient and mm -hmm. you don't really have that big you know, um, community based around you. Um, so that could be quite challenging. But um, I think the doctors that come rurally actually um, have that sense of community and, you know, being very adaptive and resilient in, in themselves. So they, you know, surround themselves with the people that are like-minded. They reach mm. out and ask for help and things like that. Quite proactive. Yeah, quite proactive. How do you find it within your own little RCS group? Obviously, there's a few students that have all come down to Bunbury. Yeah. What's that kind of like to have this little team all going through the experience together? Yeah, it's kind of nice. I mean... From being from Notre Dame, there's only a hundred of us as well, yeah. which is quite tiny in the grand scheme of, you know, how much um, students there are in one medical school. Um, so we have that kind of feeling of camaraderie and, you know, helping each other. If, for example, if you see something fun or something interesting in one of the wards, they kind of message us and tell us, like, have a look at you no know, room 5A and see <gasps> what they find. And you do find some interesting things and what you can kind of share it. What would you consider to be something exciting that you'd want to go check out? Um, 
just anything really like you know beyond colds and cuffs and yes you know chest pain and things like that mm-hmm. but there was someone who came in with um bell's palsy i don't know oh, if wow. a lot of people know what that is but it's basically when part of your um, face is kind of droopy mm-hmm. and you don't really see those kind of things beyond strokes so um, you can ask the patient their experiences about ah, yes. um, living with Bell's palsy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything is quite interesting, especially when you're a third year medical student, you kind of want to, you know, see everything and know everything. Are people who come into the hospital generally quite happy to have students ask them questions? Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised about how many people who say, oh, this is for your learning, or there's no other place you can learn than, like, you know, asking us. So um, they're very open to it. A lot of um, patients are very happy for us to see them before they see the doctor. Mm. And that's a, a lot of, you know, time of spent with us. So um, I think um, we're very lucky that a lot of patients actually allow us to do that. Yeah. Thinking about living in Bunbury for a second, mm. what's it been like? Have you found yourself, because Bunbury's quite close to Perth, still going to Perth on the weekends? Or have you guys weaved your way into the community and you're like hanging out with friends? What's it been like? Yeah. It's quite different now because of the COVID restrictions. Of course. Um, a lot of, there was a big chunk of our year that was kind of taken away from mm. us with all the social stuff and, you know, distancing. But we still managed to kind of spend time on the weekends and my partner's here as well so we do a lot of four-wheel driving cool. that's kind of like a solo you know social distancing type thing a lot mm-hmm. of camping um, and RCS itself actually um, organized a lot of social things for us and a lot of volunteering things for us with the high schools around here and oh. stuff like that um, I do still go to Perth at times I this is my first year actually living out of home so I miss my family and I miss my my dad's cooking and things like that so I get to see them if I really need to you know well if you're uh your mum's a doctor and you're going through your third year do you ever find yourself kind of calling her up and be like oh my god this thing happened or what do I do yeah definitely (laughs) um there's times where I call her up at like 8am because I saw something cool at 7am in the surge ward and she goes I'm just waking up like, can you just wait till like you know a godly hour um but it's actually kind of nice um giving like sharing that experience with her um yeah and most of the times I actually kind of ask for her advice and ask for her opinion about what the best way to go about this more than sharing the experience with her mm. I guess because one I'm very curious but also it's kind of cool to know that um, someone who is really close to you and you find really um, inspiring can help you out. What have been some of the biggest challenges of your year at RCS? Um, I guess the longevity of it like Mm. the whole year we started off in the last week of January and we're still going (laughs) so I was calculating a couple of, a couple of hours ago, and it was actually it's actually eleven months of full on study, yeah, <laughs> with only a two week break in the middle, um, so it's kind of really a marathon. And it's unpaid, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like unpaid work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus study, because you still sit exams. Yeah, exactly. I still sit exams, and it's just like sometimes it feels very overwhelming, and it's, you know it's no wonder there's a really high burnout rate in the medical community. How do you handle that? Um, 
so I put kind of, I kind of put things in place throughout the day. So I go to the local gym here. They have group fitness called Body Balance. I don't know if you've heard of that, that, but um, I go there for an hour in the mornings mostly. And then throughout the day, I kind of, well, it's kind of weird now because I'm studying all the time, Mm. but I study until, you know, um, dinner time. And I always make a fuss about making dinner from scratch because it's kind of a nice break for me. Yeah. Usually I also paint and I also draw a lot and it's kind of nice to just um, do other things than, you know, memorize different things or like learn about medicine. So it's kind of nice to complement that with art. 100%. It would be very therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You said that your partner has come down with you too and it's your first year out of home. Mm. How's that been? Because you're balancing, you know, living out of home at the same time is just so much work. Oh, yeah, definitely. But he's also a medical student. Wow. (laughs) We're kind of going through it together. Mm -hmm. Um, We're living separately, so it's kind of nice to have a break Mm -hmm. at times. But I think it's kind of nice to have a partner who also understands the demands of medicine so how nice you got placed in the same city oh that was our choice (laughs) oh good I'm glad because a lot of people hear about them getting separated I think that would be too hard you know you would want to see them at times but as I said because it's an 11 11 month yeah it's just so difficult so Mm, it's kind of especially during lockdown as well yeah yeah definitely what's it like having a partner that studies the same thing as you do you ever get competitive um I think our competitiveness has kind of dwindled down since, you know, um, getting into medicine. Mm -hmm. But we're completely different people in terms of study techniques, so we cannot work together. Oh, that's so interesting. I love learning about the why and the nitty-gritty of it all. But he likes looking at the bigger picture, which probably is a better idea. But I just just get so curious and just want to know why and Mm. learn about all these things. Um, So... When I ask him questions, he gets stressed out because I know the answer. When he asks me questions, it's kind of like, why are you going through all those little tiny things? You know, so we kind of separate those, uh, yeah, separate those um, times together. You'd probably make a good team. Oh, I think so. At the I end, think. when the study is done. Yeah. You're looking at something like objectively. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, apart from, you know, studying, we're kind of on the same page with everything. So... I think we work well as a team, mm. but when it comes to, you know, doing all the little things, maybe good to separate it. <laughs> Would you hope to work in the same hospital one day? Um, so his, his medical program is quite interesting because we're still in the same school, but he's actually going through it with the army. Oh, wow. So he's going through Defence Force Scholarship. Mm-hmm. And that means that um, after his medical um, schooling, then the army kind of gives him a direction on where to go and what to do. So um, we don't know how that will work out just yet, but I would definitely, you know, try my best to be in close proximity at least to him. What has been an unexpected skill that you've picked up throughout your studies? I would probably say evading questions of um, kind of people asking you, what you, what would you say as a doctor? And you kind of say, oh, I'm not a doctor quite mm-hmm. yet, I'm a medical student, I don't know everything type yes. skill, I think, if you want to call it that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good one. I'm actually going to use that as a lead-in <laughs> to my questionable questions from the rest of the podcast team because sure. one of the questions I had was, do you get a lot of family members or friends who go, can you just, like, look at this for me? 
am I okay? Am I going to be sick? Do you get that? I do get that a lot. Um, as I said, my family's kind of in the health field, so mm. I think they've got better options than <laughs> me to kind of ask about those things. In terms of friends, um, I'm quite lucky. A lot of my friends are also also in the health field, yeah. or they have done, you know, undergraduate in health. Um, but I do get an occasional like, "Can you look at my mole? Mm. Is this okay?" Which I probably take it as like a learning opportunity yeah. because you know we got to learn them anyway. So I look at them and then kind of redirect the conversation to ask the doctor yes and then let me know so I can yeah. <laughs> have you ever accidentally like seen someone unwell and had to be like I think you should see a doctor um actually no not yet so but I have heard some stories about that you know like listening to with your stethoscope listening to a heart and you're like oh there's a bit of a abnormal sound that you should mm. see a doctor oh. type thing yeah but no not me personally how often do you actually use a stethoscope actually quite often really yeah so um we always have a stethoscope on us um in any specialty except maybe psychiatry mm-hmm. and radiology because you know you see a lot of pictures um but other than that you actually have to have a stethoscope on you all the time um because one a lot of doctors like direct you to all the interesting cases, as I said. So they always ask you where your stethoscope is, so you can listen into things. Yeah. But I think it's also um, for for myself anyway. Having a stethoscope on me makes me feel like I'm a bit more part of the medical team. And so I don't know it's probably like a psychological thing, but it's actually kind of nice to have it to make you feel like you know you're part of the team and mm. you know. You kind of know what you're doing, even though you're faking it. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> Look yeah. the part. Yeah. <laughs> Look the part. When you use a stethoscope, is all you can hear is a heartbeat? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. So you can hear the heartbeat, which is what a lot of people, you know, use it for. They can also listen to the lung sounds in the oh. back. So when you breathe in and out, they can hear, you know, um, if there's any abnormal lung sounds. But actually, they also use it for the stomach. So um, there's this thing called bowel sounds, you know, how like that gurgling sound mm. that you hear. So if you have an absent um, sounds of you know, gurgling sounds, then that could probably indicate a blockage in the system. Oh. And you can also listen to it um, just like above your stomach area or in your neck to see if there's any abnormal sounds going through your blood vessels. And oh. that could indicate, you know, um, not enough blood going into those areas that's fascinating so it's actually kind of a really quick way to check up on the really important things yeah exactly and that could like um direct what the investigations or what the test they could do to get to a diagnosis yeah oh that makes so much more sense yeah okay yeah that makes sense do you bother to still go to the doctors yourself i've never gone to the doctors myself (laughs) (laughs) because uh, I think it's because mum's a doctor and it's kind of a oh lot goodness, easier yeah. to do that. If I do need some scripts, I do go yes. to the doctor, but they don't really have to do the whole history taking because I kind of yeah. just give it up to them. You're like, I know this stuff and I know what it means. <laughs> I know it sounds quite um, uh, arrogant, but um, um, I've never really had a broken bone. I've yeah. never really had... I'm qu- I play it quite safe, so I don't really have to worry about, you know, following it up with a doctor. And I'm quite lucky that I don't have any chronic medical conditions. So I have found doctors, yours at least makes sense because you're mum, but uh, <laughs> I found doctors can sometimes be the most slack <laughs> in oh. looking after their own health. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> mum definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you 
Okay, there's two parts to this question. Are you more of a Grey's Anatomy doctor or a Scrubs doctor? I'm definitely more of a Scrubs doctor. <laughs> Why? I really had to choose. Because I think sometimes people forget that it's a profession that you can just enjoy and you can just like make mistakes, but also, you know, understand, learn from them mm-hmm. type thing. I'm not really into the big romance and the hospitals, I guess. But you've got a romance within your own hospital. <laughs> I guess so, but we're very professional about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> very, very, you know, there's a big distinction. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then the second part to that question is, which is more accurate, Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs? Ooh, I have, haven't seen Scrubs in a while. Mm. But you know that um that intro that they had for Scrubs with a name? Yes. The heart is actually on the other side. <gasps> so... Yeah. yeah, that and kind they of had rules it out. Hey, that kind of rules it out then. Yeah, to be <laughs> the most accurate. So. Although in Grace Anatomy, they kind of just order tests for no apparent reason, so, <laughs> and they do all the you know uh, treatments for without any clinical reasoning, <laughs> yeah. which we get taught to have clinical reasoning in medicine. Funny that. <laughs> Is there a pecking order for doctor specializations, like the jocks, the cool kids? <laughs> Probably. Um, we always hear the st- stereotypes, but personally, when I actually work with doctors, I actually don't see it. So, yeah. What about med students? Um, hmm. There's definitely like a, a, bit, of more, a bit more of a divide of um, med students where they really want to be in surgery or mm. they want to be physicians or GPs type thing. And a lot of people who want to be physicians or GPs kind of like, I, I don't understand why I have to do surgery. Like, this is yeah. so confusing. I don't enjoy it. But like, you know, there's people who want to do surgery and they're like, this is the best thing ever. I don't know. I understand why I have to learn all these slow treatments and all these other things. So mm. I guess that's that divide. Um, but what I found in like going through med school is that a lot of people don't really know what they want to do just yet. Um, and that might be because we haven't gone to the hospitals except until this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's quite, um, I didn't really know and, um, what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a real doctor, but I didn't really know that I wanted, what kind of specialty I want to go into. So um, I think we're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, because the way that it works is you, throughout your years, you do different areas, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this year we've got eight specialties that wow. we're going into. So. Can, if, if you can imagine, that's like eight different specialties we have to learn for exams. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see what you actually enjoy, what I don't enjoy. Mm. For example, I thought I would, probably don't, I'm going to put this, but I, I thought I'd enjoy um, psychiatry very mm-hmm. much, but I just found it so confronting. Yeah. And it felt really, really terrible for the patients mm-hmm. who I felt like I couldn't do much. Yeah. That, I knew that I wasn't going to do that in the future. Yeah, thing. and that's good to know. Yeah, it is good to know. For And and the upside, like, I thought I wasn't going to enjoy ophthalmology. I mean, no one really talks about the eyes very much. Yeah. And it's quite, like, a very niche um, specialty in itself, but I loved it so much. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, and you don't really know what you enjoy. When do you have to pick? Um... I think the earliest would be around four years after you graduate. Wow. So you have to be just a general doctor first. So when you graduate, you become an intern. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of at the bottom of the barrel, like doing all the things that, you know, learning the ways of medical practice in a safe way, um, which I think is quite important. And then the year after that, you become a resident and 
you kind of do similar things, but you have a bit more responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then I think you only have to do that uh, for two years, and then you can try and get into a training program, wow. which could be quite competitive depending on what specialty you want to do. Yeah. And at that point, do you have to pick a specialty, or are there people that stay kind of just doctors? Yeah. So you don't have to. You mm. don't even have to choose a specialty if you don't really want to. Um, a lot of people kind of stay in the hospitals, do rotations, see what they really enjoy. Yeah. Because once you do a specialty, it's a lot of effort to, you know, become a consultant. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you've got the right, um, you've kind of chosen the right thing. Mm. Um, and saying that you can also switch around, obviously. So you haven't decided, but has your partner thought about what they would like to do? Um, he would really like to be a GP. Um, he really likes the lifestyle of it all. He likes that he is a lot more independent with mm-hmm. his work. Um, so, and the, one of the things that the army really wants and, and needs right now is GPs because they can travel around. They're a lot more well-rounded with their um, specialty. This week's Particle Podcast was produced by me, Rose Kerr. Video production and driving by Marlo Ray. If you like the podcast, pretty please subscribe and share it with a friend. Obviously, you already knew quite a lot about being a doctor because of your mum and, I mean, your partner's going through as well, so you kind of have that experience. But when you very first started, was there something that you wish you had have known about studying Mm. medicine? Probably the fact that you have a lot of um, public speaking to do and a lot of presentations and a lot of reflections mm. in, um, in my first year of med school we had we had around like five different reflection papers wow. which I wouldn't have thought you know doctors do but I guess it is very important for them to do that because you know emotional intelligence and making sure that you're a safe position but yeah we even had one of the papers that was a reflection of the three reflections you've done in a year, (laughs) which I was like, whoa, Inception. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned before you go out to schools sometimes during your RCS year. What were you doing in the schools? So it's a lot of um, skills workshop for um, Mania College down here. Yeah, cool. And Bunbury Catholic College. Mm -hmm. And we just teach um, students how to do plastering, um, how to look into the eyes, Mm. how to do a, a cannulation, which is like a little injection or a introduction of like this little tube in your vein to Mm -hmm. put in any fluids or anything like that um we also do suturing which kids really love and they have a chance for you know to chat with them if they're really interested in health um in the future then we can kind of give them a direction do you find a lot of students interested in health um i think the students that they have chosen for us to kind of interact with are actually people who wanted to be in the health field. Mm. So I think they had called them health pathway student. Yes. So, yeah. Do you think you'll miss RCS when you're done? I think so. I think I really enjoyed how supportive the environment is here, especially the my coordinators. They, you know, they always ask what we need and they're very receptive to whatever we want um, and what kind of feedback we give them. Um, it's kind of nice to have 11 students yeah. to kind of... Uh, bond with but also um, they kind of know your name they kind of know what your personality is whereas it might be a bit difficult if it was at a bigger you know cohort um, I I miss I'll miss the beach definitely yeah. <laughs> I miss the fact that I can just drive off and four wheel drive onto the beach after mm-hmm. placement 
Um, and it's like a five minute drive type thing. So good. I don't think I'll ever get that back in. Yeah, fingers crossed one day. Yeah, yeah. What happens after you finish at RCS? So we have a break. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, have, I think, an, a month and a bit of break. Mm-hmm. And then we're back onto it again in fourth year, doing kind of similar things, but I'll be rotating around in Perth. Okay. And then mm. you're done. And then I'm done. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. It's just a, such a very fast paced environment. You kind of forget that. I don't know how I ended up in third year, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> how do you stay motivated? I think because I really want it. I'm really passionate about medicine and I'm just fascinated about the things that you learn in medicine. Mm. So I don't think I run out of steam a lot. I know there are definitely times that I break down and you know feel burnt out, but when yeah, I think I feel like I, I feel like I'm in the right um, field and it's a good mixture of communication skills and learning about science. So I, I just get so curious, I think, and I just, you know, keep going. <laughs> That's good, because that reminds me of a question that I wanted to ask, which yeah. is, obviously, uh, I know when I was in high school, a lot of students that were high achievers were kind of pushed in the direction of, you know, engineering or medicine. And the students who went into medicine are obviously very smart. They're very mm. bright. But do you ever see students who maybe have that really high book smarts, but maybe not the emotional intelligence? Yeah, you do definitely see them a bit in med school. Um, But I think that's the beauty of going through med school is that we actually have dedicated classes to communication skills, Ah. to those reflection papers I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of skills that you learn, you know, um, to improve your emotional intelligence. We also have this thing called a clinical debriefing every every week, sorry. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of just talk about our feelings and you know um debrief throughout what happened the week yeah and i imagine that's quite helpful to learn from each other as well yeah definitely and it's the same thing with everything so in because i'm in in postgraduate medicine we have people from dentistry from um who were engineers beforehand and so you kind of mix this people of different emotional intelligence, different experiences, mm. and you really learn from them, yeah. We've talked about how your mum quite often can give you advice, but have the tables ever been turned and you've been able to give her a bit of advice? Yeah, I would say so, um, especially when we're learning about different things. And I'm one of those people who kind of applies whatever I learned to my life. and. Mm. Um, there's times where I was learning about cardiovascular disease, you know, and things like that. And they always talk about the risk factors that could, you know, predispose you to heart disease. Mm-hmm. And there's different risk factors that I'm thinking, mom definitely does that. Mom definitely does that. <laughs> and so I go back to her, call her at 8 a.m. again in the morning and tell her, <laughs> have you ever thought about, you know, cutting down on you know, meat or something like that. So, um, and she gets very stubborn about it as, I don't know, most doctors probably do. Yeah, let alone a parent um, doctor. Yeah, like it's kind of like a do as I say, not as I do type thing. So I'm still slowly chipping away between her, um, you know, uh, nutrition type things. But yeah, I think other than that, she knows better than me. So One day you'll get yeah, there. Yeah, one day. Maybe this ties in with having a parent that studies medicine or maybe it's 
completely different. But what do you see as like an aspiration of success? I don't really have a person in mind. I'd probably say that my idea of success would be being a safe doctor, Mm -hmm. being someone who patients can come back to, Mm -hmm. um, and being able to change something in the medical field that might be a lot to ask but you know I enjoy research a lot and so I hope to pursue that when I become a doctor Mm. so if I could change you know little bits of a guidelines or anything to improve um, health then I think that would be really great they're good guiding principles I think (laughs) what has been one of the most memorable things to happen for you this year I won't say most memorable because I know that it's very hard to pick. I know, especially that I'm in exam mode. Yeah. I can't really remember a lot of things. But this lady had um, uh, was about to miscarriage and she actually had seizures while she was in the car to the hospital. Mm. And this was in the between Bustleton and Bunbury. Wow. And so we were kind of ready. And the doctor that was attached to was the lead doctor in that mm-hmm. team. And so she assigned me to... Um, be part of the team wow. to um, you, you know do the little things like take a little bit of vitals or um, the, my biggest um, job was actually to appease the husband who was very very emotionally yeah. you know charged so I think that was one of the most memorable moments when after all the dust has settled he said thank you and oh. was so grateful <laughs> yeah. that you know someone was actually been there with him through all these things because I myself can't really do much, you know, in a big emergency. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm just out of place and also feel like I'm in the way. But hanging out with the the husband was actually a lot more um, rewarding for me because I could explain it to him in a lot more layman's terms mm-hmm. of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is part of our job as a doctor to, you know, be good at communication skills and relaying what is happening to loved ones. Absolutely. And an important role, I imagine, for interns and student doctors as well to do those things while the other doctors, especially in rural places where there's maybe not enough time or ability to be able to do both things, that's probably an important role for younger doctors. Yeah, exactly. And it's just as rewarding as being part of the big emergency, Mm. I imagine. Yeah, 100%. Do you think you'll miss your time at RCS? Yeah, I definitely will, I think. It's been such a good year, despite you know the, all the lockdown stuff that's happening. But the people around me, the coordinators and stuff like that, are so supportive. Even if it's just you know as a friend, or if you wanted a hug, one of the coordinators here is a very big hugger. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I really appreciate that at times. Um, having eleven students here is actually really nice. Um, that we can bond but also you know help each other out and things like that i definitely miss the beaches and definitely miss you know being able to um go home from placement and straight to the beach onto you know four-wheel driving and things like that yeah i think that's something i can't really do much in the city unfortunately And finishing up, maybe you've got one you'll pull out of your study, but I was wondering about your favourite fun fact that you've learned. My favourite fun fact. Yes. So if you know those, um, when you have a newborn baby and they like 
hold on to you with your finger and mm. you're like oh this is so cute mm. this baby loves me so i just found out or this year i found out that it's actually a reflex that babies have that they grasp onto things so it's not really because oh, they like you it's because they like it's a reflex that they have oh. <laughs> it's just a bit sad yeah. but it's a fun fact yes it is a very fun <laughs> fact is it true that babies have that like super strong grip they do, yes. So that, yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about, the grasping reflex. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, oh, Jodie. it's a pleasure. Thank you. I should add, Jodie has taken time out of her own study to come today. <laughs> so, yeah, massive thank you. No, it's a nice break. It's a nice break. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Particle Podcast. You can find Particle on all of the socials as well as at particle.scitech.org.au. This podcast is brought to you by SciTech and everything we make is made in the wonderful science hub of Western Australia on Wadjuk Country.